0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. You May be seated. For the mic, come and break the bread. Give us what God has given you in your time of study, and time with the Word. Right as we get started, go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy chapter six. What I have tonight is a little bit of a deviation from the new series that I was hoping to start, but hopefully, maybe you'll see some connection as we go through this. You might remember as we read through Deuteronomy 17, we looked at the list of qualifications for the king that God had chosen for his people. And among those things was that the king would be one who read the word of God. So I'm proposing the question tonight because kind of the origin of how I came up with this message was a thought that went through my brain. Does, Does the Bible explicitly say... You should read the Bible every day. So I, it's questions like that which uh, hopefully will lead you to the Word of God to find the answer, which is something that I endeavor to do in this process. And well, you can see maybe in my subtitle there that uh, I, I've given you, I've led you on a little bit as to what my <laughs> conclusion was. But again, we hear it so often, or you know, pastors will tell us. Uh, Teachers will tell us, you know, Christian school teachers, you know, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ will encourage us down that path. You know, the the things that your Sunday school teacher always told you to do, read your Bible and pray every day, right? That's, That's what you should do. Well, I'm going to tell you that's a healthy thing to do. And I'm going to go into various reasons why this is something that you should want to do, is to read your Bible every day. Now, does it say that there's so many words that the Bible says to read every day? Well, we're going to look at that as we go through this. Maybe it doesn't use it in the same phraseology that we might give it to each other, but I believe there's some hints in Scripture which lead us to, at the very least, we should want to be in God's Word every day. You know, If not, uh, I'll give you the rest of what I have to say, because we're going to look at some specific words where... I believe there's some leanings towards this thought of reading your Bible every day, even if the word read isn't exactly there. So you're in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Go ahead and read a few verses and I'll get into what I have to say tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Starting at verse 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, That it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Lord, I pray tonight that you would help even me, Lord, as I consider the, the thrust of this message that uh, I would be one also to take <coughs> heed to the words that you would have for me through this message, that I would be encouraged to be in your word as much as I possibly can, and for your people here tonight, that they would have that desire, uh, not, not even so much for just for, word, for your word, Lord, but for you yourself, Lord, to have more of you in their lives, and much of what we get of that comes through your word as you teach us and guide us and lead us, and even as we've already sung, that you would open our hearts, Lord. It's something that we would pray for a message, and something that even as we leave this place tonight, as we go to our individual places, Lord, of, uh, of devotion and of, of living, Lord, that we would be ones whose hearts seek to be open to what your word has to say. And I pray that for this message tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So. We're also coming up on New Year's, and you know that New Year's (laughs) is often a time when people talk about resolutions. Well, I think it's a good thing to do any time of year, that if there's something that you feel like you should be doing that you're not already doing, or something you feel like (laughs) you can do better, like reading your Bible, then there's no better time like tonight than to start that tradition. Now, New Year's, Year's, of course, is the time when people uh, make that more public and and make a big deal out of it, but December 4th can be the night when you choose to read the Word of God more for your daily life. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, those first five verses that we read there, and really the whole chapter, uh, I'm going to give you several reasons. These are not all the reasons in Scripture why you should read your Bible, but I'm going to give you three reasons tonight why you should read your Bible And The first of those tonight, found in Deuteronomy 6, is that your Christian life will be prolonged. (laughs) Don't you want to uh, live a long, healthy life? Now, that may not necessarily mean that you live to be 969 years old, or maybe 120. And I've heard of uh, various people who have lived long lives. And it's not so much in the, the number of years, so much as the quality of years also that God gives you. It may be that um, you might not live to be quite that long, but yet uh, the, the thought really behind that is not so much the, the number of years, but the fact that you would live longer than you would otherwise if you were to be someone who chose not to live for God, in, in for his life. So looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6 here, your Christian life will be prolonged. First of all, let's see how the heart is instructed through these verses. You see in the first verse there, Deuteronomy 6, it says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments. So what he's done there is really encapsulated what's already been spoken in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And if you're familiar with what's been taking place up to that point in Deuteronomy, that's where he gave the retelling of the Ten Commandments. In fact, the name of the book itself, Deuteronomy, is the second telling of the law. So... This is Moses as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. Now being given this charge concerning what they have been instructed. So the commandments they establish a pattern for living, and it says there at the end of that verse that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. Saying you're getting ready to go in. This is the kind of life that I want you to live. Now we know that in the New Testament it says that there's there's nobody. It, humanly speaking, that's able to keep the entire law, but I will tell you that it is, it's a good guide to have to be able to you know, you know you're not stealing from your neighbor, you're not lying to your neighbor, you're not bearing you know, um they list list the commandments and do do what that says. That That's a good guide for your life. And just as it was for them, uh, it is also a good rule for us as well. Now, when they were to go into the promised land, the, the, their, the conditions upon which they would remain in the land hinged upon whether they would be obedient to what God said or not. And so, there did eventually come that time, in fact, you go to the end of the, the list of all the kings, and you find that both Israel, well, Israel already by that point, the uh, northern kingdoms, the ten northern tribes, had already been taken into exile, And then eventually the southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin, would also be taken into exile because of their disobedience to the word of God. God intended for them to keep his word while they remained in the land, uh, but because they didn't, they did not uh, see that realized in their own lives. So, pattern for living, it also established a healthy fear. Verse 2, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments. Already up to that point, We've had different situations, like with Moses. Uh, Moses had gone up on the mountain and received the commandments and then come down. And uh, so there were different situations where God revealed himself to Moses in a very special way. And so when Moses came down from some of the... There's one particular, I, I think it was Exodus 34, I might be wrong. Where when Moses came down, his face was shining, and they were, the people were afraid when they saw that, and so that he had to put a veil over his face. So th- that that was just kind of the, the aftershock, so to speak, of the glory that he had uh, had been shined upon him by the Lord. But anyhow, that to fear the Lord your God. So the word fear can mean various things. In fact, it could in this context even mean from the the word from which it's derived mean to be afraid. You know, just as the people were afraid when they looked at the face of Moses. You know, just as you would think of someone uh, high and mighty who had all the power of the universe at their disposal and had done various things in the life of the children of Israel up to that point, which would have struck fear into them, performing various miracles and uh, causing various catastrophes. He was one to be. Of whom you might be afraid now, whether that is being afraid in the sense of like like shaking in your boots, fear would depend upon whether you which side you are on in terms of obedience. Were you obeying God or were you disobeying God? If you're disobeying God, then you better be shaking in your boots because guess what? God is going to hold you accountable. On the other hand, you can be proactive in the sense of uh, respecting God. You respect what he says in his word and choose to do what he says. We're going to get into some of the heart behind that later on. But he's giving some instruction here regarding uh, a matter of the heart, which we'll get to and describe in more detail later. So, of course, the whole thrust of what we're talking about in this promise here that your Christian life will be prolonged is mentioned at the end of that verse there. So the first parts of that were kind of more instructive in the sense of do this. This is more the result of what is going to happen if you do this. He said that thy days may be prolonged. So if you are to continue obeying God and doing what he says and respecting what his word says, your days are going to be prolonged. Your days are going to be extended. And rather than uh, think of various examples, like uh, maybe the, uh, the rebellion of Korah, which you can go back to, uh, oh, golly, I think it was in Numbers uh, where Korah decided he was going to, uh, he, you know, he was criticizing Moses for being in the, the family of Moses for their place in the priesthood. And then because he rose up in rebellion against God at that point, God, uh, to, to bring the story short, he cut his life short through that circumstance. So his life was not prolonged because he chose to disobey and go against what God had commanded. So that thy days may be prolonged. Is there a New Testament precedent for that? Well, John says there's a sin unto death and we pray not for it. It may be that God, in his wisdom, chooses to take one of us out of the way because he feels like he has no more purpose for us because we've chosen to tarnish his name in such a way that he will cut our lives short. But there was the promise here to the children of Israel that if you are to observe and fear and respect God, then your days would be prolonged. In fact, you go back to chapter 5 there, verse 16, what does it say about honoring your father and your mother? It says that your days may be prolonged. Hey, a a good word to the wise there. (coughs) So anyhow, that your days may be prolonged. And again, it's not only length of life, but quality of life. Verse number three. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it. But uh, before I go on, take note of that phrase. Observe to do. Observe to do. It's not just to do, but it's observe to do. And I'll explain that a little bit later. That it may be well with thee. You you don't want just many days. You want many good days. these are... Quality days that you would have and then that ye may increase mightily and God indeed would and uh, had up to that point showed himself faithful in that promise in allowing the nation of Israel to be enlarged despite their being in Egypt as they had been in a couple generations previous there that their number grew so not only length of life but quality of life there But all of this was guided by their love for God. It's not just, we're going to do what God says. We're going to do what God says because we love God and we want to do what God says. Which is really the thrust of this. Because he says there in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And we see that repeated a number of times in the New Testament when Jesus is approached about uh, what is the greatest commandment. And really, the, the summary of all of that is, uh, you know, loving loving your neighbor as yourself. Of course, would be keeping certain of the commandments. You know, that would fall into that. <laughs> and loving God would fall into various commandments, which are given even here back in Deuteronomy chapter five. They they're kind of people have categorized them that way. So you, you could summarize it all by saying that. Love love God and love your neighbor. So it's all summarized in that. Would you, would you do things to hurt someone if you loved them? Would you disobey them and disrespect them if you loved them? Well, hopefully the answer would be no. And so that's really the heart of this whole uh, keeping of God's commandments, keeping the word of God and respecting the word of God, is having that love for God that you would want to do what God says, and you're going to... Probably hear a little bit of that theme throughout as I give you some of these thoughts. So we see the heart instructed. We also see the heart explained. Verse number six. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk with them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. A few things concerning the explanation of the heart here. You see in verse 6, it's not just, uh, I'm going to have a a list of these things that I'm going to do, and I'm going to have a checkbox where when I do those things, I'm going to check those things off the list. Hopefully, your Christian life is more than just checking checks off of a checkbox, but more because it's it's a part of who you are that you will do those things naturally because that's who you are as a Christian. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine hearts. And we're going to mention verse, a verse later, which I'm sure you're familiar with, Psalm 119, verse 11. I've hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It, it, we're making it a part of who we are. So... God's Word should become a part of your being. Second of all, God's Word should become a part of your living. You see that in verse number 7. You know, talking about teaching your children at these various times when you sit down, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. It's just talking about all the different aspects of our daily living. So we should keep God's Word as a part of all of that. And as we go about, and of course this is uh, naturally, you can tell from the context, given to parents. You know, when you're teaching children... Uh, that's you, you try to use everything as a teachable moment. And particularly as the Word of God is concerned, you want to make sure that you're taking advantage of as many opportunities as you can to teach God's Word. So you see that also, uh, verses 8 and 9 there. God's Word should be a part of your surroundings. You know, bind them for a sign upon thine hand. And, you know, bind, bind them for a sign upon your hand. Uh, it, it's almost as if you... Uh, now, it might be a bad example here, but you know, sometimes when students would uh, cheat on their tests, they would, you know, they would write things on their wrists or their palms or uh, in different places, or uh, uh, watching Little House on the Prairie recently, watching, um, um, uh, what's her name? Nellie. <laughs> Nellie, yeah, Nellie. Writing on the inside of her coat and trying to teach other people to do the same thing. No, bad example. But the, the good the good thing I want to draw from that is, you know, it, it's as if we were keeping the Word of God always at our hands, always keeping it in a place where we can see it. So, hopefully you can get over my example and you can take the good from that. Always have them at your hands. And also, as frontlets between thine eyes... Uh, so it, it would be kind of like uh, if you have like a ball cap or something in here to kind of dangle something off your ball cap. It, it, it's uh, may, I know maybe people uh, in finding creative ways to remind themselves to do things uh, might try to hide things in certain places so that they remember to do those things. <coughs> uh, and so the, uh, tying that to ways in which you can remember the Word of God, uh, and, and I've heard of people how when they're trying to memorize Scripture. Maybe when they get into their car, they pull down their visor and they have maybe a 3x5 card or something there. So maybe something like that. that is just a very practical thing maybe that we can draw from this. So trying to pull some good things back into this and get away from the the bad examples that I've already given. But uh, find good ways in which you can memorize scripture. Make it a part of your being, a part of your living, and a part of your surroundings. So verses 10 through the end of the chapter, we see the heart tested. God says there's going to be a time when you dwell in people's houses, you didn't build these houses, there are wells that are there, you didn't dig those wells, there's going to be uh, various furnishings around there which you had nothing to do with, and God is going to bless you with these things. But beware in those times. You know When are we most likely to look to God? Is it in the times of plenty or is it in the times of need? Usually it's going to be in the times of need when... Uh, a lot of people are going to seek the Lord, and and that's fine. You know, we need to do that. And God is saying here, don't just remember me in those times. Maybe I'm, I'm drawing a uh, a little bit more out than uh, what it says here. But you know, when you're full of all these good things, you know, don't forget the Lord. You know, don't forget these things. Don't forget to fear me and to serve me. He's already mentioned that back in verse number two. When those times happen, don't forget at that time. Not only remember in times of plenty, but in times of battle. Verses 16 through 19, he's talking about how they're going to drive out their enemies. And he's giving them warning. Don't be like the other nations around you. There's going to be idolatry that you're going to encounter. Don't adopt that idolatry. Don't uh, tempt God with these things. So, not only in times of plenty or times of battle, but also times of teaching. Verse number 20 through the end of the chapter there. Have you ever had these moments where, uh, maybe as a parent, you're, you're sitting down, maybe on the sofa or sitting down in an easy chair or sitting down, eating a snack, and then a little one comes over and has one of those serious questions of life for you and then forces you to have to answer those questions. Well, here's this serious question that this child is coming to ask of his father in this proposed scenario here. This this child asks his father, you know, know, what do all these testimonies and these statutes and these judgments mean? And then the description is given there of uh, giving the history. You know, people will say, you know, know where you came from. You know, know your history. And if if you don't know your history, then you're doomed to repeat it, that kind of a thought. So, giving the history, this isn't just this is adding another layer to the the keeping of the commandments. It's not so much we keep the commandments just just like that, you know, and with some of the things that I've already said. But also, and I've heard it said by some that it's there is some help in knowing why you're doing some of what you're doing. And in giving some of this history, he's giving some of that why we. Do these things that we do? You know, why do we? You know, think think of something that you do. What's a what's a habit that you keep? What's something that you have tried to teach somebody? You know, why why do we do those things? Is there a purpose behind it? Now, uh, you know, it could be something mundane, and you know, maybe it's, it's just because it's something we do. But uh, when it comes to the Word of God and doing things that uh, that we are asked to do. Maybe by a spiritual leader. You know, Why do we do the things that we do? Is there a biblical precedent for the things that we do? So it's important to know that there are sometimes reasons for the things that we do. Now yes, we ought to obey God. That's, that's a done deal. But we also, in many cases, we ought to keep in mind why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, I want to point out verse number 24 here. The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes. This is, again, part of the explanation here. To fear the Lord our God, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. You see that phrase in there, for our good always. You know, sometimes we think that uh, the things that God, especially the things that God asks us not to do, it is just a, a big killjoy for us. It's, it's just supposed to be a big downer, it's just... Just supposed to ruin our fun. Well, God says these things are for, he said for them, this is for their good. And, you know, the New Testament says that too, 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. You know, these commandments were written, and they're not grievous, 1 John 5, 3. So they're for our good too, whatever God has said. So we see that uh, they have been instructed, it's been explained and they're showing the different tests that might come along in their obedience to God. So, this comes along with the promise in that chapter that your Christian life will be prolonged if you are one who uh, chooses to read the Bible and read and know God's Word. So, secondly tonight, your Christian life will be prosperous. And for that, I'll have you go to Joshua chapter 1. Again, these are very familiar verses, and hopefully... Yeah, I'm just putting you in remembrance, as Peter might say, of these things. Yeah, or uh, another said that, you know, I'm not telling you these things because you don't know them, but because you do know them. I believe it's in First John chapter 2. So again, just reminding you of things that perhaps you've already heard many times before. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, and also keep a finger in Psalm chapter 1. We'll uh, look briefly at that, but mostly we'll be looking at this part, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Your Christian life will be prosperous. Get the word out. So, first of all, looking at the command rendered here, as we see in verse number eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. So that's the command that's given there, and this is now after Moses has passed off the scene. This isn't a whole lot of time later after Moses has already given the instruction in Deuteronomy six. But now Joshua has taken the reins. He's getting ready to lead the children of Israel into the promised land to take advantage of all the promises that God has given them. But with this same reminder to them, he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. So my encouragement from this is to say, Don't let God's word cease from being a part of your speaking. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. So, first of all, let's talk about your mouth. Now, when you think about your mouth, you're probably, if I just were to mention that phrase, your mouth, you're probably thinking about this part of your face, right? Your mouth. You know, the place where maybe you've already eaten dinner. You, it, you put it in your mouth, right? And you use your mouth for speaking also. So, And that's the, the, the figurative sense of this. There's the literal sense where you're talking about the physical mouth. But then there's also the the metaphorical sense in which you're talking about uh, that which the mouth is used for in terms of uh, speech that comes out of it. So he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. So I had that phrase there in my encouragement there, that you shouldn't let God's word cease from being a part of your speaking. So when you're thinking about your mouth in terms of speaking... You know, what are the different ways to understand this? If you were to take the literal sense of, you know, don't let uh, this book of the law depart out of your mouth, then you would never open your mouth to share the word of God. That's kind of the opposite of what we're looking at here. Don't let it depart out of your mouth. It's not so much a matter of not speaking it. It's more a matter of not losing hold on the things that should be present in your mouth. You know, what are the things that you allow your mouth to do? And in fact, I'll bring up some verses later that talk about the, the things that come out of our mouth. So that that what it means there in terms of not letting the book of the law, in terms of you know, that is the, what's been written by Moses up to that point, not letting that depart out of your mouth, you know, that's uh, not losing hold of the, the things that Moses has said and allowing those things to uh, be kind of always ready at your lips. So we have not only your mouth, but your meditation. You see the other part of that. You have the, the negative side of the command, then you have the positive side of the command. He says, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. You now, when you think of the word meditation, uh, and, and Pastor Walker has even described this recently, uh, sometime within the last few weeks anyhow that I can recall, where you know, there there are some out there who think meditation is this, some kind of uh, a purging of the mind, or a, a, this altered state of being, this uh, uh, kind of a, a weird spiritual kind of experience. And, and some would make it to sound like that, where really, and as he's described, it's just the opposite of that. You're filling your mind, and in this case, you're focusing your mind on what. He has said there at the first part of the book, the verse there, this book of the law, meditate therein. Meditate on that. Think about that. Focus your mind upon that. Now this word meditation, uh, if you were to go to, to go to the root word of that, it, it's associated with the, the sound sometimes that animals make. You know, you hear that, that bird outside your window, Ooh, I can't imitate it, sorry. But, uh, you know you have those birds that make those pretty sounds outside your window or the like a like a dove you know cooey mm-hmm. or um uh, or maybe like a, a lion uh kind of kind of softly growling mm-hmm. yeah don't get in his way, it's probably getting ready for lunch uh or it could even be associated with uh humans in the sense of uh maybe some of the nonverbal communication sometimes that happens out of her mouth like a like a groaning or a, a moaning of some kind and, and that's kind of where the the origin of this word is in terms of meditation uh, but as part of that definition of that word there's another part of it that i found very fascinating i, I proposed the question earlier does the bible specifically say that you should read your bible every day Well, let me throw this thought out to you when it comes to the definition of this word meditation here. Uh, One of the other definitions that was given for that word was a uh, (laughs) a, a reading in undertones. So let, let me give you an example of what this might entail. So I was studying last night, and I was kind of reading through various passages. In fact, I was looking at this one at the time, and this is when it occurred to me, and I was just kind of, as I was trying to think about what does this verse mean, and I just kept repeating this out. Uh, did it meditate and I just observe to do it? And I, I'm kind of re- rehearsing the words, and, and as I'm rehearsing the words, it's uh, I, I'm trying to think about what I'm trying to say. It, it would almost be that kind of, of a sense behind that. You know, As I'm sitting there looking at my Bibles, like, what is that? So thinking maybe more in those terms of, of meditating. So does the Bible say specifically to read every day? Well, what does it say in the verse here when it says meditate? Thou shalt meditate therein. At what times? Day and night. So right now it's <laughs> night and 12 hours from now, hopefully, the sun will Okay, actually no, the weather is not going to be so great. Maybe think 12 hours ago. You know What What was it like 12 hours ago and the sun was out shining? You know, that would be day. the day. So that's the opposite. So you have the day and the night. So the sun is up, the sun is down, which pretty much encompasses any time of the day that you can imagine. So it says you should meditate therein at those times. So that would be just about all the time, right? That that would cover just about every hour of your twenty four hour day. Uh, when now when you're sleeping, you know I, I I don't know what to say about when you're sleeping, but uh, you know when, whenever you're awake, uh, you have uh, more control over what is going through your mind. Just subconsciously, sometimes when you're dreaming, there you run into some weird things. But uh, meditate there in day and night, so. The, the Word of God should always be something that is a part of our thinking. Whenever whenever we're consciously uh, going about our business, you know, that's something that should, even as I kind of touched on it earlier, just always ready at our lips. You know, that sh- It should not depart from our mouth. We, we should be, you know, there's a verse that says we should be prepared to give an answer for the, for the hope that lieth in us. First uh, Peter 3. So, always being prepared. Ready and having that thought in our mind of something surrounding the Word of God. Maybe it's something that uh, that we've read earlier in the day that's coming to our mind. Maybe a circumstance we are in reminds us of a verse of Scripture. You know, maybe uh, you know, as sometimes happens at work, and I hear a song on the radio, and then it reminds me of, of a verse of Scripture for some reason because uh, you know maybe what I'm hearing isn't always the most pleasant thing, uh, but. Uh, Different circumstances might drive us to, to hopefully have different things go through our mind that pertain to Scripture. And, and that's a good guard. And we're going to talk a little bit later about guarding ourselves. In fact, as we get through the rest of this verse here, I'm going to explain to you this thought of observing to do. So we've seen the command rendered. Now we're going to see the purpose revealed. The whole purpose of all of this, don't let it depart out of your mouth meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. So all that is written in these books of the law that they had at that point, whatever Moses had penned up to that point, so that you may observe to do. So it's a a couple different uh, verbs there that are put together. Observe to do. The word observe there has the idea of of guarding or watching or protecting. So that, the thought that I had that goes along with this is what I'm about to say here. My encouragement for this is to proactively protect your ability to obey God's word. You know, is it true that sometimes we put ourselves in bad situations where we make it difficult to do the right thing? We want to make it easy for ourselves to do the right thing. Guess what? Uh, we're going to come to a verse later, which I've already mentioned, which talks about hiding the word in our heart that we might not sin against God. That's, that's a proactive measure to make sure that we're not sinning. And there's a similar kind of thought here. By not letting it, the book of the law depart out of our mouth, by meditating on those things, uh, we are observing to do according to all that is written. We are protecting our ability to be able to obey those things because we constantly have those things on our mind. So observing to do, kind of like the uh, the watchman in the watchtower. You know, if an army were coming and the watchman were to fall asleep, in fact, uh, even in the Bible there are situations explained, I think it's in Ezekiel, you know, that the blood of the those people's hands is, is on him because if he doesn't do his job, you know, guess what? He's going to be guilty. You know, may we not be guilty of allowing something through the door's The gates of our uh, being here that is going to uh, lead us into some form of uh, destruction which comes from disobeying God and uh, falling into sin. And sin does bring us into destruction. So the thought of observing to do there. So the purpose revealed, now the result realized, the end of the verse there for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. This is what's going to happen if you do these things. That's kind of a simple summary of that. My phrase to go along with that is this. Expect effectiveness when you've obeyed God's word. You know, expect that you're going to live a... a you know, kind of like when the Bible talks about the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. It, it accomplishes something... Uh, We've prayed tonight for some who are sick, and sometimes we'll go to the doctor and we'll look for a prescription, but we want something that's effective to be able to treat that. Uh, The people of this world have a sin-sick condition, and they're coming to us and looking to us for a prescription which is going to help them. You know, are we going to be able to give them something that is effective in being able to treat their sin-sick condition? Well, Let me explain from this verse how I've come to to this phrase here. Expect effectiveness when you've obeyed God's word. So a couple of key words here, and again, going along with the main point here, that your Christian life will be prosperous. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And the word has the idea of, of cutting through or crossing or being strong or to be effective would be another way to phrase that. If they, if an army is going to be prosperous, uh, maybe they have an objective that they're trying to meet. They're trying to maybe break through some kind of a fortification or an enemy line. If they're going to prosper in that, then that means they're going to be successful in being able to uh, break the enemy lines or achieve achieve whatever that objective is. That is the idea of being prosperous here. Again, part of that definition was being strong. And if you look through Joshua chapter 1 there, you know, how many times is the Lord trying to encourage Joshua, be strong and of good courage? And so then he's giving him the secret here to finding that strength in this verse. <coughs> so then the other word, success, which is related to it, uh, is, is a word that kind of surprised me when I looked it up a little bit. So when you look at the word success and The the Hebrew word that's used for this has the idea of understanding or comprehension or or causing someone to consider something or to be taught. So this this is kind of the idea behind success. I forgot who it was that said this recently. Maybe I I forgot if it was here or or somewhere else where I heard a message recently, but... uh, yeah, talking about uh, doing the right thing, and then later you'll be glad that you did the right thing, even if you don't know right now that doing the right thing is what you should do. So kind of related to that thought, uh, you know you should do the right thing. Maybe right away you don't feel like doing the right thing, but you know that by doing the right thing, you, by the time you've done the right thing, you'll, you'll feel good about the fact that you've done the right thing. Is that Pastor Walker? Yeah, you no. Oh. Oh, does, oh, yeah, do the, he's the right denied. thing, yeah. yeah. Do the thing right thing. Oh. Matthew 6. Okay, Matthew five there you six. go. So he said it. Do the right thing the right way. All right, so he's going to reach my message now. <laughs> so this thought of doing the right thing and being glad that you've done it. Now, when you've done the right thing, do you sometimes think to yourself, you know, now, now I know why I should have done that. And now I know why it was good for me to have done that. And and th- th- these are thoughts that go through my mind. It's like, well, I don't, I don't know if, if I should be doing this. And then when I've done that thing, it's like, man, am I glad that I did that. Because, you know, I think about what the consequences would have been otherwise. So this idea of having good success relates to the idea of understanding or comprehension You know, do these things, and you'll be glad that you did them. You'll understand when you've done those things that uh, what God has told you, uh, like was said back in Deuteronomy 6, these are for our good, and God has intended it to be that way. So looking lastly tonight, not only to uh, have our life prolonged and to prosper, but also to be pure. And I've already mentioned this verse, let's look at it, uh, Psalm 119, starting at verse number 9, Psalm 119, where it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. So lastly tonight, your Christian life will be pure when you read the Bible. So how, are, how do we achieve this cleanliness? And then again, this is speaking to, uh, uh, speaking to believers tonight. How, how do we make our way clean? You know, we we uh, keep the way clean. Uh, maybe I could put it that way. We keep the way clean by taking heed according to thy word, which is the command given there. You know, brother, be careful. You know, that's kind of a thought here as well. Taking heed. You know, maybe we don't use that specific phrase, but it uh, has the, the idea of being aware or being conscious. Uh, someone who takes heed uh, is someone who understands the situation. They, they know what the right thing to do is. They know what the consequences are. They, they're, they're aware of what's going on. They're taking heed. According to thy word. So they're going to do it in such a way that it is according to what God has said. Now, if you want to keep your way clean, then make sure you're living according to what God's word says. Probably a simple truth that has been said a lot, but can't be said enough. I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, chapter, uh, verse number 12, where that, that same phrase is also used. Now, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. And talking about temptation and how temptation can overtake us, but God has given us that way of escape, you know, that we don't have to, that we can bear up to that temptation, and that ties into what we're saying here: hiding God's word in our hearts, that we don't sin against God. Again, this is proactive. We're trying to, we're trying to get ahead of uh, whatever this evil is and cut it off. So, uh, how to be clean? Second of all, verse 10 here, how to be complete. Verse number 10 says, "...with my whole heart have I sought thee." We learned back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, "...love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind." And that this is a lot of the backdrop behind their keeping of the commandments that they have been given, having that love for God. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, "...if ye love me, keep my commandments." We are showing that we love God when we do the things that He says. And you see in verse number ten the desire to do the right thing. You know, do we have that desire to do the right thing? Verse number ten, you see it there, he says, Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. You know, don't you know don't let me get away from this. You know, that's why we're keeping them as you know, binding them upon our hands and as frontlets between our eyes. You know, we want that always to be there. Because when that time of temptation comes, we'll be able to draw from that well of knowledge to be able to fight that temptation. We don't want to fall into uh, the trap that the enemy or our flesh might have for us. So there's the desire not to disobey God. Thirdly, how to be careful. So I've already talked about taking heed. Uh, We're going to talk more specifically about how do we take heed. And it's by this action here, verse 11 Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Now we see the object of protection there, which is the word of God. Thy word. And the, the word, word here, if I could say it that way, uh, there, there's a number of different Hebrew words used to translate the word, word. But this is maybe uh, the, the, the less common one. And a word that is often used when referring specifically to the Torah or to what God has said. So, uh, thy word. So that would tie back to Joshua 1 8. It would tie back to Deuteronomy 6 when it's talking about the specific commandments that they had been given by God. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. So that you see the object of protection. We see the method of preparation, <coughs> which is that hiding. Uh, if this is uh, being around Christmas. Maybe there are things that we've already purchased for certain people or. uh, or maybe the time will come on Christmas Eve, and Mom and Dad say, "Don't come into Mom and Dad's room." You know, don't you know, don't be snooping around in different places because maybe somewhere they've hidden presents around the house or in their bedroom. Usually, that's where my parents kept them was in their closet. So if you ventured into Mom and Dad's closet, you better beware because maybe you weren't going to get what you thought you were going to get. So talking about hiding things, we hide things that are important to us. We hide things that are valuable. Uh, You know, just like you might uh, hide uh, uh, money in a safe or jewelry in a safe. You you keep those things protected. You put high value on those things, and so you put them in a place where uh, someone can't just casually come in and take that away from you. So that's kind of the idea of this hiding here. We value God's word so much that we're, we're, we're putting it in a place where nobody can take it away. So the Word of God should be so much a part of us that if for any reason, anything ever happened in our country to where uh, maybe we're in a situation like we hear of some missionaries that uh, have to uh, go through serious uh, situations sometimes. Uh, I'm thinking of Richard Wormbrain, if you're familiar with him, and some of the torture that he had to endure. uh, But... there were times where they, he would, they would try to get him to, to say various things uh, in favor of of the country, their, you know, their leadership and their you know, their their regime and whatever. But he, he would come back to trying to think, trying maybe quoting verses of a, of, a, of a hymn or quoting scripture. He, he would always try to keep coming to, back to that, so that he couldn't be brainwashed by the things that they were trying to implant into him. Situations like that. I mean, God forbid that we would ever have to endure that. Uh, but in those situations, how how much are you going to be able to remember? You know, how much of God's word have you hidden in your heart to where you're going to be able to stand strong in those times? Now, it's very unlikely, I would say, you know, and maybe I'll hope hopefully won't be proven wrong on this, but that none of us will ever have to endure something like that. No, just think about your, your average, ordinary situations. You know, Talking about temptations that we have to fight. Talking about people coming to us for answers. How prepared are we going to be in those times? When it may be, maybe it would be like a, a week ago when I was standing on someone's doorstep trying to talk to a Catholic lady. Uh, and I'm standing there trying to think of a verse that, that I wanted to tell her. And I, I just couldn't quite get it out. You know, have you ever been in that situation before? Where you just, it's on the tip of your tongue, but you just, you know, I that that was a warning to me, you know, that I should be more prepared with hiding God's word in my heart and making sure that, you know, when those times come, I have an answer for someone like that lady that I was talking to. So always be prepared in those situations the best that you can, and the best way to do that is just always to be immersing ourselves in this book you know Psalm 1 I had you keep your thumb there and it never went back to it but again it has similar thoughts related to things that we've already talked about. you know meditating in God's Word day and night. We want to make sure that that's always a part of who we are. So again uh, finishing up here how to be careful we've looked at the object of protection which is God's Word, the method of preparation which is the hiding in our hearts, the reason for that, of course, is that we might not sin against God. We're being proactive, and I've said that multiple times, but I just want to reiterate that. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6, talk about those battles, those those thoughts that might come into our head. You know, how are we going to fight those thoughts? Well, what did Jesus do when he was tempted of the devil? Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. Whenever the devil came to him with some kind of a, of a of a thought or an accusation, Jesus was immediately able to tell the devil what, you know, thus saith the word of God, so to speak. And he was able to give him a quick answer about what the Bible said. And guess what? The devil went running after that. And so if we are prepared in such a way, then we can keep the devil at bay in our lives because he's seeking whom he may devour, but we don't want him to devour us. We need to always be ready with the word of God in our lives. So as, as we conclude tonight, and this is concluding for good, it's like pastors often say, preachers often say, this is your final point. Well, to kind of summarize everything, I'll, I'll kind of let you in on the thought that uh, I had an alternate title for tonight's message. Um, and, and if you're following along with this prolonging and prospering, you know, but my alternate title was Live Long and Prosper Purely. So if that helps you to remember Yeah, yeah. Like that. (laughs) If that helps you to remember and to be encouraged to stay in the Word of God, those are reasons why you should be in the Word of God as much as you possibly can. Every day, day and night. And always keeping that at the tip of your tongue. And one other thing I'll say in closing here is it is not so much a matter of keeping a strict schedule and and adhering to a a strict regimen of reading the Bible so much as it's your whole entire attitude of how you view God and his word. If you love God and you love his word, then you (coughs) are going to be in it all the time. And that's really kind of the summary of all of this here. You see other verses here in Psalm 119 that speak to that. Uh, and I'll and I'll sit here with verse number ninety seven, I believe it is. He says, "Oh, how I love thy law! It is my meditation all the day." You know, as we leave from this place tonight, you know, it, we can meditate upon you know what I've said, or uh, it, this is also something. You know, it's good to to be here and to be focused upon the Word of God. You know, but how much are we focused on the Word of God when we leave this place? You know, my hope and desire for myself and for everyone else here is that you know, we would make that resolution even right now, that we would make the Word of God more a part of our daily lives and more a part of our daily being so that it's something that uh, we have that we can use to help us through our Christian life. And we can uh, live long and prosper purely uh, in, a very, in a very real way. And that would be my prayer even as we close now. So let's go ahead and close with a word prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the value uh, that you've placed upon your word in uh, preserving it for us and inspiring it for us. And speaking in your word about how valuable the the wisdom found in your word is. May it be something that as we leave here that we find uh, to be uh, more costly than gold and silver and precious stones And that we would seek after it in such a way Lord help us Lord uh, m- maybe there are people in this room who have gotten away from uh, a regular habit of, of reading and meditating and, and just digging into your word in some way shape or fashion Lord I pray that this would be the time that before you tonight here we can make that decision to Uh, to start down that path again of not letting the words of your mouth depart from ours Lord and being people who always have the word of God on our lips and in our minds and Lord for for others here tonight I pray that you would continue to help and equip us Lord to be able to face the trials that we face to face the temptations that come upon us to face the people Lord who uh, we often see as we go about our daily lives uh, that we would always be ready, Lord, to be able to share something from your word that might help them and that might honor and glorify you uh, because, Lord, we've, we've done our homework, we've done the work of hiding your word in our hearts, Lord, and uh, being ready for those times, Lord, that it, it might help someone, uh, as we sang earlier tonight about uh, finding the Savior, hallelujah. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it's recorded in your word, Lord, that we can find the way of salvation. Lord, there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of things that we can explore through your word, and that there's so much, Lord, that we can take, that we can take in, and it can seem overwhelming sometimes, Lord, there's just so much here. Uh, Help us, Lord, give us your grace uh, to be able to Put as much of your word into our minds and into our hearts as we possibly can. And, Lord, help us to express our love for you by uh, making your word a high priority in our lives and obeying it, Lord, as we understand it. And, Lord, just continue to give us your strength and your help as we endeavor to do this. In Jesus' name, amen.